And welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Sheehan. Matt, what would you like to talk about today? Uh, the football team and the football team. Mm. I'd like to talk about the football team and Aiden Childs as well, mixed in with some football team, Justin. Is that yeah. going to be cool on your end? Are you okay with that? Yeah, that's good. We'll, okay, we'll talk about the, we'll talk about right. the esports team a different a different day. Uh, but those <laughs> are the only two things on my radar. Um, Aiden Childs is a good place to start, Matt. But before that, how are you doing today? Uh, I, I'm doing just quite well over here. But you know what I want to know, Justin? How are you doing? Because once again, no one in the history of mankind has ever asked Justin Thin how he is doing. So let me be the first, Justin. How are you doing today? Doing okay? Matt, I cannot complain. We are on the verge of crystal ball season. We're on the verge of official visits being back. It is, it is exciting times. Cannot wait for the full swing of recruiting to be kind of the kind of the main um topic that we're talking about after the months of the coaching search i was just ready to analyze top 12 lists by kids that only have 14 offers to begin with um (laughs) you know things of that nature so sure we're definitely back in the wheelhouse here but aiden childs as good of a place to start as any in that regard pretty good quarterback pretty good do you think jonathan smith is is looking at him you think that's gonna be connection there no it's a toss-up you know he okay there's a lot of there's a lot of good quarterbacks on the roster right now so you gotta you gotta weigh that <laughs> yeah. <and> mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of competition yeah I don't, I don't know if he's built for the grind you're right yeah <laughs> yeah hey if, if there's ever a time to promise a kid the starting job and it not actually upset the the chemistry of the room now no, right. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're striking gold right there yeah. oh man this is exciting look at us talking about michigan state football smiling yeah. i'm sure the viewers and the listeners are also smiling right now as well which what a foreign concept, smiling when talking about football. But th- there's reason yeah. to be optimistic. And it's been a nice start to the Jonathan Smith oh, tenure. Yeah. And yes, this Aiden Childs thing, probably the, I, we'll call it the worst kept secret of all time. But it is nice that he is officially in the portal finally. Right. And he is visiting this weekend. And man, oh, man, look, one player doesn't change a football team. But let's not get ourselves quarterback's the most important position here. Right. And this kid, in his short amount of time at Oregon State, Look, I, he's rated the number one quarterback on 24-7 sports for a reason. Right. <laughs> yeah. He is going to be one of those guys that on day one changes the way that teams have to scheme against uh, the program. Obviously, partially that was going to happen regardless just because it's a brand new offensive coordinator, a brand new scheme. Yeah. But let's just say like that wasn't even the case, right? And let's say like Mel Tucker was still here and somehow he gets Aiden Childs. The way that you had scouting reports written on Michigan State's offense, all of that, it immediately would have gone out the window. He's mm-hmm. a quarterback that you don't really have someone on your scout team to emulate. He's like kind of one of those guys. I'm not saying he's going to come in and break Big Ten records or anything like that. He's probably going to have some some bumps. But sure. he's just a guy that you are not going to find a mirror or a replica of or a close substitute of when you're trying to scout against them or when you're trying to defend in practice and and game plan against them and see what it's like. I guess I've seen a lot of like comparisons out there the last few days, like play style wise. I think one of the ones that is close to what I'm comfortable with agreeing to is maybe sort of a Terrell Pryor kind of a thing. I think, I think he's a, he's a more accurate passer than Terrell Pryor. I think his arm is maybe at the same spot, maybe a little below. If, if you give Terrell Pryor a 9 out of 10 on arm strength, maybe you give Aiden yeah. Childs an 8.8 8 out of 10. 
um, but I think he's more accurate. I think he's he's more elusive than Terrell, but I don't think he's as strong of a runner. I don't think you're going to see him maybe lowering the short, shoulder as much mm-hmm. as maybe Terrell did. But like that's the kind of guy you're looking at. And he's not a traditional pocket passer, obviously, as you can see most of the highlights that there are of him. He, he's running around making things happen. But he's also not the type of quarterback like – I don't want to say like JT Barrett just because like it would be stupid for JT Barrett to try to throw the ball more than he did because he really wasn't a good thrower. Um, so like he knew his strengths and he did what he was supposed to do, but he's not one of those guys that just gets the ball and he just looks to run immediately. Like he, his mm, first right. intention is to be a thrower of the ball. Um, I guess like it Jalen hurts, like in that regard, I, I don't want to just use that familiarity bias. Cause I watch him every Sunday and say, Oh, he's similar <laughs> to his tendencies. But like Hertz, you'll see like his his first desire is literally never to run unless a read option unless it's a read option, um, and that's kind of how I see Childs. And um, yeah, legit throw of the ball. He's not just a dual threat because he can't throw. I'm like a JT Barrett. He can throw, but he's a special runner. What do you like about that? No, I mean everything you said right there. But I'm sorry, I just had PTSD flashbacks to JT Barrett. You said he wasn't a good passer, which, like, by and large in his career, right? Like, there's some truth to that. But God, that that one night in 2014, my God, <laughs> he was just just dropping balls and buckets everywhere, all over the field. Anyway, regardless. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, so did Cade McNamara, and, and he's not necessarily a good thrower of the ball either. <laughs> no, no. But no, I do like what you say about his legs, and it isn't necessarily run first. It's just more of right. a weapon that he can use to extend plays, which right now, talk about the quarterback room being thin. Uh, the offensive line room will thin right now as well. And right. look, there's plenty of time to shore that up. There's the whole transfer portal window and then the spring portal window. There's reason to believe that that can be fixed a little bit, but hey, right. let's say the offensive line isn't top notch. Right. At least you got this guy extending plays a little bit, but yeah, it's also just the, the cannon foreign arm. Like the only thing that I think about as I'm staring at the ceiling before going to bed is just that one clip of Aiden Childs throwing it from 20 yard line yeah. to 20 yard line. Like yeah. that's that's going to play here in a lot of places in the East Lansing, especially. So yeah, happy to have that yeah. from Aiden Childs. Should he come up? Here's where I'm going to bring the conversation right now. Look, it, yeah. it's, it's well known that this is like 99% looking good for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. He's visiting this weekend. Like, is it as simple as like we are on commitment wash this weekend? Like, expect yeah. by Sunday for there to be something? Right. Yeah. I, th- I think um, I, I refer to kind of the quotes that he gave Brandon Huffman today, paraphrasing okay. along what those kind of were. He essentially said, um, like, yeah, I, I don't have my mind made up, but like my only visit right now is to Michigan State and it's coming up this week. And I'm not sure like what other schools are interested in. I mean, my parents are mostly handling that. And then he named a couple schools that talked to him um, directly. And then he said, um, I'm sure there's others too, but I haven't really kept track. Um, okay. So like, really interested not, then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he has not made um, it any secret that Michigan State is which way is the way he's strongly leaning. Um, you even see his his dad, Adrian Childs, retweeting the fact that um, some some college football like account tweeted out his stats and the fact that he's expected to follow Jonathan Swift to Michigan mm-hmm. State. His dad had retweeted mm-hmm. that. So, I, and and based on all the information I've heard the last few days, if if he doesn't end up at Michigan State, it would easily be the biggest shocker of 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 my time sure. doing this. So, right. like, you cannot call anything a done deal in college football, let alone in the transfer portal. Right. But, um, 
like so like if something happens like we're all going to be sitting there as equally shocked as one another but like right now there's there's really no reason to not be optimistic and i'm always one of the first people to tell people not to be optimistic like maybe people that aren't on the message boards don't know that but like if there's a rumor about like a dc or if there's a rumor about this or that or like this recruit leaning this way or even the whole coaching search like i my like main yeah. thing is like if something isn't done i'm not gonna let people believe that it's close to done but I'm like this one is this one is kind of looking good right now it was just funny like the portal opens up on monday and Childs enters the portal and right. like the reporters weren't even like oh could he follow jonathan <laughs> smith to michigan state like no everyone that had an opinion about this that has a respected opinion like that is right. actually in the recruiting media we're already saying like oh he's going to do great in east lansing or oh jonathan smith is going to do awesome with aiden Childs following him like right. as if it was already a done deal so this is yeah. why we're talking about this not not just because we're arrogant and just blind homers of michigan state but right Man, just like you said, JT, you put it brilliantly. Like, if there's ever a lock in this day and age of, of college football, especially in the transfer portal, like, this is probably as close as it could possibly be. Right. Now, yeah. I, I will. Yeah. Knock on wood. I'll do my due diligence here. But, yeah. I, mean, I, I did as well. You. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you do great. raise a great point about the guys outside of our scope, like the like the national guys that were talking about this on oh. the 24-7 uh, Transfer yeah. Palooza show. <laughs> like, um, when Huffman and – yeah, yeah, like when Huffman and Cooper Patania um, and, and like other guys were talking about it on the show, like first they had talked about it as like a near certainty that he was going to Michigan State. Like they didn't even enter- entertain the possibility he went elsewhere. Correct. Then later <laughs> in the show, later in the show, when they were just talking about quarterbacks in general and how they might fit there, fit here or there, Kyle McCord, how he might fit at Nebraska, uh, Dylan Gabriel, how he might fit at Oregon, um, Don Timor, how he might fit at various places they didn't even give Childs any like possible coverage in that realm because there was no theorizing of where could he go. They had already covered oh, it in the, in the scope of a near certainty to Michigan state. This um, is great. So, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, if you're wrong, everybody's wrong. Oh, sorry. So yeah, we're we're in the biggest, we're in the biggest majority that there could be right here in terms of what it, the insiders are saying. This is just so nice for us Michigan State fans because I, I, we, we can't take any more drama in, in 2023. <laughs> we can't. Like, if it was between, like, Michigan State, School A, and School B, like, the, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't have the mental and emotional bandwidth to do this. So, like, this is just right. nice that yeah. you are getting this treasured quarterback with, like, almost little to no drama whatsoever. Right. So, yeah. Kyle's you know, family, I, thank you. Appreciate yes, it. Absolutely. You know, I, what, like, after I put in the crystal ball um, on Monday morning – my next thing was I'm like, all right, well, my information here is absolutely bulletproof, but it's going to be so exhausting when I open Twitter and Childs <laughs> is tweeting like, don't believe yes. the crystal balls, or he, yeah. he tweets like, um, go Tigers, like an eye like <laughs> roll emoji and like a, a stress <laughs> sign, and people are going to be like, oh no, what's happening? But he didn't even do that, yeah. and it was just he, he tweeted his announcement, and then today he he gives the coach to Huffman, and he's like, yep, Michigan State on Saturday, we'll see what happens, go from there. <laughs> It's great. Very refreshing. Well, not not to, not to treat the poor Oregon State roster, and I I still truly do feel bad. I know that there's a few of the fans that are getting mouthy on Twitter, but like by and large, I feel bad for Oregon State fans. However, that's not going to stop me from looking at their roster and all those players mm. entering the transfer portal as if I am looking at the Christmas catalog, Justin. Because look, there are some names, and yes, I say this fully understanding that no, like Oregon State just doesn't ooze four-star recruits or five-star recruits, but the already proven players entering the transfer portal, mm-hmm. kind of who I have 
my eye on right now. And of course, yes. a lot of us gravitate to the name Jack Velling, the tight end that mm-hmm. caught more tight end touchdown passes than anyone in the nation. Right. But what other names like should we be hoping follow Jonathan Smith yes. to East Lansing? I'm glad you asked, Matt, because as yeah. I've opened my phone here to go to the Twitter draft where I have a list of said names, okay. I see right here. Actually, let me pull it up bigger. Jermod McCoy. Actually, you're not going to be able to focus on that. Anyway, yes. he tweets out an Oregon offer right here. Yep. Right under that, Aiden Childs is giving that the thumbs down and the barfing emoji. <laughs> Excellent. And um, <laughs> that's that's great work there. But yeah, Jermod McCoy, he's the true freshman corner that um, played the latter stretch of the season, did very, very well for Oregon State. Um our Chris Summer at 24-7, he called him one of the best true freshmen in the country, not just at corner, but in the country. Gotcha. Um, he entered the portal yesterday, and Michigan State has as good a shot as anybody right now. I mean, we'll see about this Oregon offer that came in um, one hour ago, and then this Utah offer that came in 14 minutes ago. Um, SMU, oh, got a Washington offer as well. Yeah, so uh, he's got all the good offers out on the, okay. his side of the country. <laughs> Confirmed. Yeah. He, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Michigan State also offered today, but I'm, I'm sure that that this was no surprise to him. He's a big coach, Blue Adams guy. Uh, Blue got him playing as a true freshman, and he was not rated that highly. So he's somebody that is worth monitoring very closely. Jack Velling is a good name that you said. Um, I do want to reiterate to people that he's not going to be a guy that comes in and you build your offense around him. He averaged, um, I think I want to say about 2.7 um, receptions per game last year. Right. 2.4, actually. So only 29 catches in 12 games. However, of those 29, eight were touchdowns. So even if your your boost that you're getting from adding Velling is simply more end zone production or red zone production from the tight end room, you will absolutely leap Great. for that any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like if if you gotta get to the red zone in different ways and he's not your guy, I guess between the 30 and the 30, so be it. Um, uh, but I'm sure I'm sure that that's also something that he was just a sophomore last year. I'm sure he's growing and he's developing right. his route tree in the intermediate and, and, and deep parts of the game. So he's another guy. Then Matt, um the Arnold, the Arnold brothers. Yes. Um Achilles yes. Arnold and Ethan. Um or sorry, Easton, Mascarenas Arnold. Both of them were captains this year for Oregon State. Both of them entered the portal tonight. Achille uh, was rated as one of the best safeties in the entire country. Yep. Easton, Mascarenas Arnold uh, had 102 tackles, and he's one of those coverage linebackers that, I wouldn't say coverage linebacker, but he's a linebacker that can cover. And Michigan State doesn't necessarily have one that I would say is comfortably somebody that you throw into coverage all the time. Jordan Hall did the best that he could, and he looked better because the other guys on the team really couldn't do much in that role. But he's yeah. somebody that you would rather have be a run-fit guy, a Mike linebacker in the middle. Like You don't want him to be doing stuff that um, you ideally would just have a coverage linebacker to do while he stays in the box. Um, so like if they can get him somehow, um, they don't necessarily need a safety, but like when you can get one that that's that good, uh, as, as, as Easton's brother, you take it. Um, but yeah, like they absolutely need, um, a guy like Easton, you would definitely take a guy like Velling cause Malik cars as hot and cold as it gets. And Brendan Parachek and Jack Nicklin, Michael Masunas, I, I think they all have potential. And I think that Brian Wozniak can get it out of them better than Gilmore definitely could. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. But you'll you'll take a guy that led the NCAA in touchdowns any day of the week for for the tight end position if you can. Um, and then yeah, this this true freshman corner that's going to be a true sophomore next year, um, McCoy. Th- those are the five that my name that, that that those are the five names that that my mind gravitates to right away. If you can go three for five there, um, you got a good base. Um, especially if one of those is Easton. If you go five for five there, after that, you're pretty much just looking at maybe another linebacker and then um, offensive line and maybe DT depth. So you, you have you have a good amount yeah. of your portal and portal needs addressed just from your old roster before even venturing out from there if they can make that happen. Correct. And just getting away from the transfers, but also guys that have Oregon State attached to their name, mm-hmm. the high school recruits. And now yes. about like it, it seems like six minutes before we started recording, uh, Wyatt Hook announced that mm-hmm. he's going to be visiting this weekend. He also decommitted from Oregon State as well. Three star right. running back Brandon Tulis also going to be visiting this week. But I mean, of course, you know, both those guys are guys that we want in the green and white right. as well. But as far as star power and star rating goes, the following weekend, the 15th to the 17th, there is one Rustin Yun out mm-hmm. of the Great Islands of Hawaii. Offensive tackle prospect, of course, likes to follow Coach Maholchek. Yeah. Could be to East Lansing. So those are the three Oregon State uh, commits right now that are scheduled to visit East Lansing, at least yep. that I have uh, in right. my notes right now. Hey, and, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And Andrew Brinson's another one that is definitely um, somebody to watch. He He's scheduled to visit on the 15th as well. He, gotcha. Uh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. He, he decommitted, um, I want to say, the night or the day after that uh, Jonathan Smith uh, got the job here. And um, – so out of the names that you mentioned, I think Russ and Young, where he is as a, as a four star, um, that's a, he's at a good spot. I think mm-hmm. Brandon Tulis is probably good where he is as well. But the two guys that I would say are underrated are Brinson and Wyatt Hook. Um, okay. Wyatt doesn't have a ton of evidence as a blocker in his tape, but he's as good of a receiving prospect at tight end that I've seen Michigan State recruit in my time covering Michigan State. Gotcha. Um, he he looks very, very comfortable lining up anywhere as a receiver, going up against cornerbacks, bodying them throughout the route, um, or simply beating them off the line and getting separation and then making guys miss downfield, stiff arming safeties, a spin move here and there. Um, so like he's sure. a very refined pass catcher as a tight end. Um, again, like his blocking might need some work. Maybe they just don't ask him to block and he's fine at it because he does line up outside as like an X receiver sometimes. So it might just be a thing of where he's not asked to do it. But um, he's someone that's I consider underrated. And then Andrew Brinson, he's he's as all around as it gets. I, I know I tweeted a brief scouting report on him. Uh, he's a Tampa, Florida kid. He's six foot and a half, a legit like verified six foot and a half um he smothers guys at the line as a press corner he gets in their face he gets his hands off of them off of him and at the same time um he's in addition to being physical and lighting guys up in the box and having some launching penalties here and there he also can cover guys stride for stride down the field uh i'm talking 30 40 yards without losing a step on guys so he's as all around as it gets so those are the two that i would say are underrated for sure out of the four that you mentioned I've got an off-the-wall question here that we did not talk about before, so I'm throwing you on the spot right now. Get ready for this one. Which of the assistants do you think is already having the most impact here, whether it be transfers, Mm. whether it be recruiting? Because, look, we've named just about every assistant coach here, Blue Adams, Maholchek, Wozniak. We also got guys like Bonafa, Louis Sanoa. So I – 
no shortage of good answers here, but like, is there one guy that is like blowing you away right now as far as, you know, already building this roster? Actually, I do have someone that's not an assistant coach. I would say the general manager, Cole Moore, Um, what he has done. I don't necessarily know what the structure of the recruiting department is right now, as um, a lot of the guys from the previous staff um, opted to kind of leave now so that they have a better chance of finding their next jobs. Um, Because I don't think their futures are guaranteed past January, but I think Smith did ask them to stay until then and, and was more than happy to have him here. But I believe they were they were more so looking to get a head start on their next job. So because of that, um, Cole Moore has essentially been doing doing a lot of this stuff by himself, is my understanding. Maybe I'm off on that, but um, I'm talking about like him actually using one of those ten on field assistant spots and going out on the road. Um, he was at Jaden Walker's basketball game last night, where Lincoln Riley okay. himself was there. Um, he's networking with pretty much all the coaches in the in the Midwest. He's the one sending out a lot of portal offers. He's grinding tape. He's he's finding guys. He's building relationships with recruits, especially at the position groups where there's no coach yet, like a linebacker's coach. He's doing all of that by himself. Um, the work that, that Cole has done so far here in the early days, um, I think he's definitely one of the unsung heroes. And then um, Coach M, like he's just solidly trying to get his guys that, that he recruited at, at um, Oregon State. Um, he's trying to go ahead and obviously be active in the portal. Um, he's going after um, just guys that are going to be people he can develop and people that he believes in from a from a skill set standpoint, no matter where they're ranked. And that's that's worked for him for the longest time. And um, Coach Wozniak, like he's recruiting Ohio. Um, he he sent out an offer to a defensive end in Ohio today. Um, just like that's his, he was born in Ohio before he went and played at Wisconsin and he's carrying his load there. And um, Dylan Messman, he, he talked about coach Waz um, a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago to Corey Robinson when, when uh, Waz offered him and he said that he was a big fan of him early on. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what their tight end class looks like this time around, but those guys have definitely done a great job for sure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I'm just keeping you on the hot seat. Like, I'm just peppering yeah. questions off you this episode, I guess. But so this weekend, obviously, there's some visitors. There's plenty of, you know, guys that are already right. committed to Michigan State. There is a kid that is a Minnesota commit right now from mm-hmm. the state of Michigan. He's from Gaylord, Brady Pretzlaff. Now, yeah. of course, you could already, you know, notice that there's interest there. He's already committed to right. Minnesota, but he wants to come here, check out the staff. The question isn't about Brady, though, right now. Hmm. there is no defensive coordinator. There's a linebackers Hmm. coach and maybe it's a defensive coordinator slash linebacker coach thing. But uh, Justin is like, is, is is that, is that important to have the defensive coordinator or am I just like a casual fan for thinking you might want to have a defensive coordinator here for (laughs) these visits so they can meet the defensive players. Or is that just kind of a little overblown uh, on my part? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely ideal to have one of your vacancies filled um, okay. as the days go on. 
But yeah, I okay. think um, this is the most important hire that Jonathan Smith will ever make as the as the head coach at Michigan State. Um, the defensive coordinator spot, like this guy who he hires, will have complete autonomy, and he'll be left to his own devices mm-hmm. over on that side of the ball. And um, it has to be a great hire. So if it takes another three, four days, because let's say you start with Phil Parker and Jimmy Lake, and you wanted to make sure that those guys say no before you go anywhere else, I, I'm all for that approach. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, as long as you get the right hire, um, this doesn't really seem like an issue to me at all. And I, I guess speaking about Brady, for for instance, I, yeah. I was talking to him about kind of the, the DC situation and I'm just saying like, how does that factor into the visit? He's like, yeah, I'm, he's like, it, it'd be good if he's there this weekend, but I'll just change my OV to next weekend if I have to, if there's no DC. So he doesn't seem concerned about that at all. It's um, it's it's honestly more so people like you, I, people on the message boards. Mm-hmm. It's like us that are like every single day, like, is, is there going to be a DC today? Impatient um, people is what they call right. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Canada>. yeah. <laughs> right. 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 So like, yeah, somebody like Brady, whose actual next four-year future depends on this DC <laughs> hire. He seems more, more calm about it than, than some of us. So um, yeah, I think... Um, I'm guessing your next question is going to be what the candidates look like. So I'll just kind of parlay this into oh, there. Let's see. What is next in my notes here? And oh my <laughs> God, would you look at that? Hey, Justin, candidates. Yeah, no, you already mentioned yeah. Phil Parker. You mentioned Jimmy mm-hmm. Lake, of course. And those are two very popular names right. for the right reasons. No question about that. And you had a piece not too long ago about defensive coordinator candidates that could be just somewhat tangibly right. tied to Mr. Jonathan Smith. But let's say like, it's going to be a wild card and it's not going to be someone that has any prior work and experience right. with him. Do you have a name that could tickle our fancy over here or, or what do you got for us, Justin? I, yeah. A, a couple of days ago, um, I guess first starting with, with Lake before I transitioned into like why I was looking at just other names. Um, I was able to confirm for sure. And, and, and my colleague Corey Robinson is able to also confirm for sure that like, Jimmy Lake is a candidate for sure. Like okay. there's no, there's no gray area about that, but I know that David Harns at Spartans Illustrated had kind of indicated that the chances of him being the next DC were, were kind of high. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally did not hear that. So if that does end up happening, then credit will go to David on that for sure. Um, okay. The only thing I was ever able to hear was that he was a candidate for sure. And that was about, that was a few days ago. So since that hasn't progressed to the point where he's been hired or to the point where I know people are speculating on Twitter today, oh, maybe they'll hire him and he just won't join the team until January. Even if that were to happen, you would still get the tweet announcement immediately. Like Bruce Feldman or Pete Thamel would say, Michigan State is targeting Jimmy Lake as their next defensive coordinator, but he will not join the program until January. In the meantime, he will be recruiting um, over the phone or something, or he'll he'll make one trip mm-hmm. to the official visit weekend in December and then go back to the Rams. Like that, that's not why that this process would be delayed, even if that's the case. So, because of this just lack of movement on that front, and the fact that it seems like Phil Parker once again, like as he turned down Nick Saban a few years ago and Kirby Smart went to Georgia, turned down Michigan after Don Brown left, it seems like once again he's just he's staying in Iowa until the day he, he's done coaching. Yeah. Um, so with that being the case, I just started expanding the footprint from, all right, who does Jonathan Smith know? Because if it was somebody that he knew, I'm guessing it would have been someone that he already would have hired, like an Andy Avalos. I think like that would have been done by now if he wanted to do it. I don't think he wants to. So then I was like, okay, who are just some good defensive coordinators in general? 
I started going through Bruce Feldman's list from before the season. That was the top 30 assistant coaches in all of college football. It doesn't, it's not just OCDC, just all, all the best assistants in college football and just scrolling names. Um, there was a few good ones. Number 11. That's what stuck out to me the most. That's Joe Rossi at Minnesota. Gotcha. Um, Rossi who Feldman dubbed in the piece as the best kept secret in all of college football is he's 44 years old, which I was not aware of just because he's been in Minnesota as the DC for about six years now. And I knew he was the DC at Rutgers before that um, under Kyle flood, I believe. Um, or was Kyle flood or Chris Ash, the coach. Oh, three I get coaches it mixed up. Yeah, I think it, it was Chris Ash. Okay, so I get mixed up. Right, it was the coaching staff three. It was it went Siano, coach before that, and the coach before that. That's who um, Rossi was. Okay, the so DC flood. It, it, that, okay. that would be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, and when he was the DCI Rutgers, they went eight and five in their first year in the Big Ten under him, and um, then he came over to Minnesota, and when PJ Fleck made him the defensive coordinator with four games left in the 2018 season when they fired their other defensive coordinator, they were ranked. Um, actually, I was taking notes on this, so let me just pull this up anyway and give the actual statistical data. So okay. when when Rossi was hired, at, or when he was named the interim defensive coordinator by P.J. Fleck in the middle of 2018, or I should say with four games left, Minnesota was allowing 31.8 points per game. Nice. They were allowing 429 <laughs> yards per game. Rossi takes over with four games left, and Minnesota then starts to give up 14.8 points per game and 300 yards per game. Take over as the interim in the middle of a season on a week-by-week basis, sh- reshaping the defense just like that. Same personnel, same everything. <laughs> wow. 2019, his first season as the permanent D.C., uh, they were 38th in the nation in points per game and ninth in yards per game. That was their first of three seasons where they would finish top 10 in total defense. Then 2020 in the COVID shortened season, they took a step back. Then in 2021, they finished third in the nation in yards per game. 2022, they finished ninth in the, in the nation in yards per game. So those are your three years with top 10 total defense yardage rise. And then also in 2021 and 2022, they finished top 10 in scoring. So scoring defense top 10 twice, total defense top 10 three times. And then this past year, lost a lot of talent, and also the offense couldn't help them out a remote bit. Defense took a step back. Even that step back, they were 58th in the country, so top 50th percentile, so still middle of the pack. Um, So three of their last five seasons, they've had a top 10 defense at Minnesota in yardage. And at the end of the day, you can do that. Sure, like you come to the Big Tenies, might be a notch below that. well, I guess divisions are out of the picture, but you know what I mean? Like they were boosted by like yeah. a, a little, a little easier of a schedule, but like, that's literally the only flaw you have about Joe Rossi is he didn't play the same level of teams that Michigan state did every single week, but he did as good of a job as you could have asked for out of that, out of that schedule. Um, he put 10 guys in the NFL draft since 2019. So that's 10 guys in four drafts, including second rounder Antoine Winfield and second rounder boy, Amafe, who the Seahawks took. Yeah. Right. Um, that's pretty much all that I, I didn't dive too deep into him. Um, the only other thing I, oh, that, I did that, was... that's not a deep dive. That, that's a shallow dive. <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Look I, at that. Yeah. Like I didn't ask around about him or anything like that. Like if I hear like more of a need to, I'll do that at that uh-huh. point. But the only other thing I did was I went on YouTube and I just um, 
looked for a 2023 Minnesota fall game. And I went through the first two drives of their, of uh, the UNC Minnesota game this year, just to see how they line up on different formations or different um, down and distances. Uh-huh. It's a three, four defense um, with one of the four linebackers always being a stand-up edge, but it's not a three, four defense that has a nose tackle and two, three, four prototypical defensive ends. What it is is a basically regular defensive tackles, like traditional 4-3 defensive tackles. You don't need a big house of a guy that's like a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. It's defensive tackle, defensive tackle, sandwiched on both sides with a traditional defensive end and the stand-up edge rusher. So Michigan gotcha. State, if they were to hire Rossi, would not have to redefine their roster, com- their roster uh, composition from the defensive line perspective, but they will need just – a solid amount of linebackers that can cover behind that, which they would need anyway, no matter who they brought in. But mm-hmm. Rossi's defenses are susceptible to rely on linebacker coverage more so than maybe a four-two-five, where like the defense is just eager to bring the nickel on any chance or any reason they have to bring on a nickel. If there's three receivers on the field, they just immediately have the nickel there. Um, Rossi's defenses more so do that when there's four receivers on the field. It seemed like at least from those two drives. So we'll see like what would need to come with that. But I guess other names, I, I, the Rossi, I just kind of hung on to because like what I saw in like the Feldman piece and kind of where the research took me and those facts that are just easy to state about the top 10 defenses and all it that. It makes sense. Yeah. Right. It, it, it checks yeah. out everything. Yeah. Right. 44 years old. He, he knows the Big Ten. Right. One and hurt with Brady Pratt's laugh is coming into Minnesota. Certainly um, not. Yeah. Right. And, and like develops guys more than anything. Like it'd, it'd be one thing if someone's just a magical schemer, but they're not putting guys in the NFL because the scouts are seeing right through it. And they're like, Oh, he's not developing individual talent. It's just the scheme. So he does it all really. Um, other than that, like I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Jim Leonard um, just cause like, okay. he seems like someone you have to mention, like yep. sitting at Illinois as just an analyst right now. And he, he had some pretty good defenses at Wisconsin, even though his, his defenses is very final year weren't that great, but I mean, that's just one year of a long sample size. Um, I guess I don't know necessarily what his long track record is, but like maybe a Ron English I, I played at Michigan. So like, I don't know necessarily how that would go over. That's but, one name I was going to throw out. And I know that a lot of people would hate yeah. that because of the Michigan connection, but I, yeah, like, I Louisville's defense looks good. If I'm not mistaken, Louisville's defense yeah, yeah. looks good, and not just because yeah. of their last game against Brock Glenn or whatever, right. but during the season, like especially for Louisville, they've been looking yeah. strong, but. Yeah, it's just a Michigan connection, that old pesky thing. So I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to work out. Yeah, for sure. So those are just some names that come to mind outside of the Smith tree. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I always said, like Lake and Parker would be like A plus hires. Like what yeah, Lake definitely. had done as a defensive backs coach at wa- Washington before they made him the DC, and then what he did as the DC, it's just an unprecedented run of talent development at the DB position. Like you could go on and on. Like, even his busts, like Sidney Jones and Kevin King, like those guys were so good in college. And then you look at the guys like Buda Baker and Byron Murphy right. and Trent McDuffie, and those guys are on another level, even in the NFL right now. Like what he did over there as the defensive backs coach was was unreal. Made him the DC, and they went to the playoff. Um, even yep. as the head coach, like I, I get he had that little incident where like he he pushed the player, and by then they were already like inept on offense. And his hire of John Donovan as the OC was horrible, and. They were Not just like, great. all right, let's get rid of this guy. And they paid him his full buyout. It wasn't any firing for cause thing. Like, it wasn't a real incident. It was just, like, one of those things where it was like, all right, it just doesn't seem like it's getting better. And now we have, like, kind of the team is, like, pushing back. And, like, it that was, like, not – like, that doesn't mean a single thing to me how, the, how that went down at the very end. 
Um, and right now, like he's on the Rams as as the assistant head coach, which I don't know how you get a title of assistant head coach and not even have a position group to monitor. Like that's I mean, an awesome job, right? Yeah. That is a dream job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, one of the websites I stumbled upon said he makes one point five million. I don't know if that's true, but I also can't right. find anything to counter that. Um, no. But yeah, so like Lake and Parker would have been like ninety nine out of a hundred level grades. Maybe Parker would be ninety nine and. Lake would be 97, but like someone like a Rossi or like maybe a Leonard, like a Rossi would meet for me would be like an 88 out of a hundred. And maybe a Leonard would be like right on that same tier as well. Avalos would have been in a similar tier, but I think if you could get a guy that's the Midwest version and who has done it with, with little talent, like Avalos, his claim to fame other than the Boise run was he did it at Oregon. But like, I I'd rather see top 10 defenses at Minnesota than Oregon any day. So I'd even put Rossi had Avalos these days even though I probably wasn't thinking that a week or two ago, but that's kind of where my mind is with, with just the DC candidates right now. I, I just still love that. It wasn't a deep dive, even though we got stats from the last four <laughs> years, you rewatch games, you took notes on the personnel. And if, if that's a shallow <laughs> JT dive, Oh my God. Woo. <laughs> deep dives have got to be insane. Uh, but no, that that's, that's a bang up answer right there. I feel like this whole episode, I've just been grilling you with questions. So, so sorry it went that way, but man, as always, I feel bad for just going on monologue after monologue. That's that's what uh, I feel. Yeah, oh, I'm sure the listeners of viewers hate the inside information and the very <laughs> well thought out answers. Yeah, I'm sure they're they're punching the air right now instead of just the the jackassery from me that that would just be you know <laughs> being spewed. No, this 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 was very informative for for everyone here. But yes. Yeah, didn't mean to make this into like the whole Q and A where I'm just popping questions off you, but hey, sometimes no, that's what we need. I, I baby. It that's what sure. we need sometimes. Yeah, I, I think the the most the most in like um I guess most interesting part is like after the <clears throat> the DCR linebackers coach gets hired, um, looking at maybe who from their current job, like who could somebody from that roster maybe come along with him I, like i don't know if that necessarily happens at those levels like i don't recall the last time a dc got poached and a ton of his guys just went with him so i don't know if that's a real thing but okay. that'd be the first thing that i'd be excited to look at and if not like if that doesn't happen in, in droves linebacker sticks out to me a ton like they have to get some linebackers here yeah, i think right. um like just using ross's defense for example like the three four there but like you can really do this exercise for anybody you're essentially okay with Jacoby Winman um, and Jordan Hall spots. Like, there's no questions there. Um, Jordan Hall, like, he'd be the Mike. And Jacoby Winman, either he's going to be a Sam in a 4-3 guys um, defense or in, like, a 3-4, he'd be the stand-up edge um, in, like, a Rossi defense. So, like, those spots are good. But you need two guys after that or possibly one guy if it's a 4-3 that are coverage guys. And backups. You need backups that are coverage guys, too, because you really don't have any replacements for the starting coverage guy when he's not even on the roster to begin with. So that's that's a big need. They need they need linebackers, especially guys that can cover. And then um, I guess just continuing down the theme of what they need in the portal offensive linemen, which not a lot of good talent there. You're seeing um, Oklahoma take some some guys that Michigan State fans would kind of raise eyebrows at. But more power to the kid, and that's what you like to see, and and hopefully he does well there. But Best like, of luck, rooting for you. Yes, yeah. absolutely, no mm-hmm. question about it. But um, it just it goes to show kind of how thin how thin it is at the offensive tackle, and yeah, I, it's tough. But it's yeah, tough out here in the streets, man. Yeah, it's tough, it's tough out here yeah. in the streets. That, that's why, like one thing, one thing that I would always maintain, no matter how the last tenure went down, um, 
there is lots of valid criticism about like playing the wrong guys and the older guys regressing and all that from from coach cap in the offense line room but there was never any question that an offensively rebuild is supposed to take multiple years now it shouldn't look like that in year four because your oldest guys have regressed for sure but like yeah. no matter who you are like you see with coach prime like he has he has heisman trophy candidates running around at cornerback and receiver and, and quarterback but no it doesn't matter who you are. That offense line is not happening instantaneously. That is not happening in less than no. a several years span. No, no. Tough, tougher Shadur Sanders out yeah. there. But, oh, well. Yeah. We done NIL deals out there, so that's it's yeah. good at least. Um, well, anything else you'd like to talk about, Matt? I can't think of another sport, no. So, football is just – Yeah, no, I wasn't entertaining really any other sport. Days. No, no. So, so then, no. I don't have anything else to talk about. Thoughts matter. about thoughts about Florida State being left out of the playoff, even though it's been a few days. Right decision. Right decision. I mean, right. look. And does it go against everything that sports stands for? Uh huh. Yeah, it right. does. hundred percent, it does. And hey, look, we could even look at our own history for amazing upsets that happen. I know I didn't feel too smooth about the game going into Columbus in 2015 with Tyler O'Connor, and oh my God, the spread's ten. Now it's eleven. Now it's twelve. <laughs> That's about where the spread would have been if Florida State kicked off against Michigan. But, guys, right. the job for the college football playoff committee is to feel the best for teams. Right. They did the correct thing. Not the right thing, but they did the correct thing. So, right. yeah, it sucks, but. I have another question Florida for you, State's offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they get the best four teams in? And I ask you this with the baked-in question of, if Georgia and Texas played, who do you think would win that game? yeah. See, I was afraid you were going to ask that because now I'm in a pickle. <laughs> now I'm painted in a corner because, oh, God, I, I don't know who – no, I, I know who would be favored. It would be Georgia. Georgia would be favored. Right. But, like, I just don't know by how many points. My guess four, would be like three Georgia. And a half. I was going to say four and a half, five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that might be low. I don't know. So, yeah, am I yeah. being a hypocrite? Am I going against everything I just said? Yes, but I think the gap between like a Georgia and Texas is smaller right. than it is between like a Florida State and Alabama. Yeah. I don't think you're being a hypocrite. I I, I think the best way to summarize just a it one. is just a slight I, one. <laughs> I think the best way to summarize it is I don't think the committee got it right in terms of the best four teams, but I think they got it right in the fact that Florida State shouldn't have been in it. Because it sucks. Right. But, right. Yeah, exactly. but you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if if I was to say, like if the criteria was, all right, committee, figure out the four best teams where on a neutral site you'd have confidence that these are the matchups that would contain the four best teams in the country. I don't mm-hmm. believe they got that. I believe Georgia has to be in that. At the same time, okay. if you were to say most deserving teams, Florida State should be in there. So I don't think they truly fit either criteria. But I like I like what they did at the end of the day. So they, yeah. they might not have they might have been playing both sides and gotten either side right. But like you just can't have Florida State go out there and like I think they would have gotten shut out by Alabama. I think they would have gotten shut out by Michigan. I think if they played Texas, they would they wouldn't have gotten shut out, but I think they would have lost by like seventeen or, or twenty. So like that gotcha. just can't be a product that you're putting out there on TV, in my opinion. I, I do feel so terrible for the Seminoles right. defense, especially because yeah. from the start of the year against LSU, I know a lot of eyes were on Keon Coleman as he scored like eight touchdowns. I know Jordan Travis is looking good, but whole dude, their defense just had some animals on it this year. Like they, they were dogs the entire stretch of the year, right. even to the bitter end against Louisville. But mm, 
Yeah. You got to move the ball too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you got to move the ball. And I feel right. terrible for Brock Glenn too, because that guy is probably just at home being like, Oh God, if I just didn't throw like, what was it? Eight of 23 passing or whatever. Yeah. We're probably in the playoff, but eh, that was the breaks. That's uh, it's yeah. tough. It sucks. I, I don't know anything else to say other than it sucks, right. but I'm very happy that this is a college football playoff. Yeah. got two entertaining games. The, the, the thing for me was like, I was, I was arguing with some friends on Friday night. And I was like, it was, I was saying it was a foregone conclusion that Florida State's in. And I'm thinking like, man, this is going to suck. Like Georgia, I, at the time I was thinking like if Georgia beats Alabama, like they're the ones who are like, man, Georgia's going to get it by here. This is mm-hmm. this is going to kind of ruin the first round of the playoffs. And some friends were like, no, like Florida State's not a lot to get it even if they win. I'm like, you're crazy. They're not leaving an undefeated power four champion out I of the know. playoff. That's how I felt. Then, Matt, I'm sitting there watching the ACC championship game. And yeah. at halftime, I'm thinking there is absolutely no way that you're telling me human beings are going to sit in a room right. and say this product deserves a spot in the college football playoff, no matter <laughs> what they did previously with Ross Tra- with Jordan Travis as a quarterback. Yeah, like, it, uh, like uh, my opinion went from like there's no way they're getting left out to you cannot tell me humans like computers maybe like computers probably would have had them in humans the purpose of a human committee to be subjective. You cannot look at that game and say they need to be in, in the greatest stage of college football. I just can't believe they did it. I, okay, no, I right. shouldn't say that. That's, that's, a, that's a very naive thing to say because, guys, I saw a tweet. I really wish I bookmarked it. But, like, this is going to save ESPN. I think it's upwards of, like, $150 million in ads and viewerships or however <laughs> that number works. Like, So, yeah, I can see how it happened. But, like, I just can't. Oh, shocked. I'm like, oh my God, like they, they, they actually did it. I, right. I didn't think they would have the stones to do it, but yeah, what are a few angry people in Tallahassee anyway? You know, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Oh man, I, just can't, I, I also can't believe that like no one has been on the news for trying to, you know, yeah, really do some damage to someone in the committee. But this is true that everyone's being behaved. That's good that everyone, for the most part, is being behaved. I think they just um, haven't been smart enough to, to uncover like any personal information or addresses or anything to show up at anyone's houses with like yeah. toilet paper and hopefully you know nothing what? more. Lethal. Soft fan base. I'll say it actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, if that happened to Michigan State, like oh. I'm not proud to say this. I'm not bragging about this, but I would have had everyone's address on yeah. that committee posted online. Yeah. Within the hour, within the hour, phone numbers. Oh, it, yeah, it, it would not have been a healthy, yeah. healthy scene of behavior that I would have yeah. displayed. But there's absolutely yeah. no way that that big sad wouldn't have had every committee member's addresses <laughs> locked and loaded um, by like the fourth commercial break of that Correct. rating show. If, if, if it was, if it was Correct. again, not proud of it, but I'm just being honest, I would be furious if, if that's how it yeah. unfolded for Michigan State one day. I just yeah. can't wait for the 12-team play. My biggest takeaway is that I cannot wait for the 12-team playoff, and why didn't this start sooner? I know I'm echoing a lot of what a lot of other people said, that five Power 5 teams and four spots in the playoffs has never made sense, but this right. year especially, God, I mean, these matchups yeah. would have been great. The home field is going to be awesome. I, I just can't wait for it to the kick only, The teams. only downside is like, the last last game of the season, like Michigan Ohio State, right? That doesn't mean a single thing other than bragging rights. And does the bragging uh, rights part even mean much if they're going to play again next week in Indianapolis and then possibly in the second round of the playoff? Three so, ga- three times in a four game span. I, I keep hearing that, and like I also heard that like, oh, right. if this is twelve team playoff, Oregon could play Washington again. 
Oh, sick. <laughs> like that's those true. were two great that's games. True. Like that's awesome. But and here's yeah. the other thing too. It's like yes, that specific Ohio State Michigan game wouldn't have mattered to see who goes out of the college football playoff. But it's still the rivalry. You know, this, this, and that. Right. But it does matter of like who gets the buy. And also, right, you right. zoom out from that game. There are other games across the country that actually matter, like the Penn State game against mm-hmm. Michigan State at Ford Field. That right. would have mattered a lot for the Nittany Lions. And I yeah. don't have the last week's schedule the time I had, but like there are other games around the schedule. Yeah, like all the of a sudden, Utah like, hey, tier of teams, like the that tier yeah. of team that like is always out of the playoff picture by week eleven, mm-hmm. but now they never will be basically out of the picture because they're always in the nine through fourteen range. Yeah. And so it's just games like that too. Yeah. Like just the, the last week of the season. Okay. What would it have looked like? And then like, okay, Ole Miss, if they win their game against Mississippi state, okay. Then they're in. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, yes, those, those, and of course the games I'm naming, I'm not stupid. I know they don't have the stature that Ohio state Michigan does, but for college football nuts like me and you and everyone listening and watching, like, I just think it makes the last week more entertaining. So that's, that, true. That, that's my, that's, that's my take yeah. on it. That's just where I sit. And then we can be debating like even bigger stuff that is more heinous than what the committee did with Florida State, and that is the G five champion in the in the committee in the twelve team playoff having it be a hundred and thirty third ranked Liberty <laughs> right, instead of right. SMU. Um, <laughs> that that was crazy. Yeah, so you, that would have yeah. been the topic if it was twelve teams this year. That would have been good. You talk about getting lost in the shuffle. Like, no one cared about yeah. that whatsoever. I didn't even realize it until, like, Sunday <laughs> night at 10 p.m. I was like, hey, where's SMU playing? Did they get the Orange Bowl? Did they get the Cotton Bowl? But, oh, they didn't get any of those ball games. What the hell happened here? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we being real ball knowers, Matt, at the 49-minute mark of the SC Frel Show, we have addressed the mm. crimes the committee with in respect to Liberty and SMU. Yep. So, yes. Mark I think uh, card, everyone. That's right. <laughs> I think that wraps up this week's episode of the sure. SC for all show. Um, definitely go ahead and like, and subscribe and comment emphasis on subscribe had about 8,000 viewers last week, but only about 1.1 K subscriber. So the math is not adding up. So please go ahead and hit that subscribe button helps the algorithm a ton. And as I've said before, we don't spam you with short video cutups throughout the week. So nope. it, it, it'd be well worth you your time from an or from an organized streamlined feed perspective to subscribe. So with that, I'm Justin Thin. There was Matt Shan, and we will be we will be back to maybe recap some of these official visits happening in the next couple of weeks, and definitely we'll be previewing signing day. So stay tuned, and that's why you got to subscribe because we don't know when we'll be back, but we'll be back soon. So appreciate Never everyone. Never on schedule, in. but always on time. That's right. That's right. right. The SD4, that's right. Bang. All right. See you guys.